We are glad that you're here. If you're our guest today, welcome. You're not our guest anymore. We treat you like family because you are family. So welcome home. Welcome home. We're, we're diving into um, the book of Hebrews today, chapter 12, and we're looking at one verse of scripture. Each week during uh, a large majority of the summer, we're doing this series called Running with Giants. Now, what is that all about? Well, let me read this verse of scripture to you. Maybe it'll make sense. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance this race that's marked out for us. So it gives us this idea that we're in this race called life, right? And as we're on this race, that there are some people that are cheering us on. Now, there's something powerful when somebody cheers for you. There just is. I mean, it's powerful. My daughter ran track a few years ago and that was a new experience for us we've never really done track before I, I don't even know that my high school team had a track but we uh, but, but we cheered her on and and the only thing that I knew I didn't know any technique all I knew to do was tell her run faster right and and so my daughter was in um, what do they call that the four by two one hundred thing I don't know it's a relay they put the baton in somebody's hand and 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 the, she started out like way around the track and so as a good dad I would go and get out of the stands and I would go to where I knew my daughter was going to be running that turn that she would be going to be taken and I would wait and and so the race would start the gun would go and 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 there they would go the first person would run that first leg and then they pass the baton off and 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 then the second person would, would would run their part of the race and then it came time for them to give my daughter the baton she was kind of that third leg of the race and so as she reached back for that baton and they put that baton in her hand I would scream with every Everything that I had within me and all I would say over and over I don't know I would say this but I would just say dig 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 and I would just scream until I knew she couldn't hear me anymore and then I would look around and everybody's looking at me like I'm a complete idiot but I didn't care because I love that girl with everything within me and I want to do everything I can to support her on this journey she's running this race and I want to be an encouragement to her now, it's no different every day of her life. I want to be that same voice of encouragement. So maybe I'm not yelling, dig, dig, dig from the fence while she's on the track. But every day I want to speak life into her and I want to speak life into my son and my wife. And I want to be an encouragement to you and the people that God puts in our life. Because how powerful is it that we can be that voice of encouragement? And God's word in Hebrews chapter 12 says there are these people that have gone before us and we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses who are encouraging us on this journey. Well, how do they do that? I, I see so many people in God's word that I can learn from and I read their stories and I'm super encouraged by those stories. So each week as we come together, we're looking at those different stories throughout the Old Testament and learning some key life lessons from some people that we can really learn from. And a couple of things happens when we do that. Number one, we're super encouraged by God's word. The second thing is we're learning what God's word says to us and that his word applies to every area of our life. Now last week was Mother's Day and we looked at this powerful woman of God named Esther. But today I want to look at my favorite biblical character and his name is David. Now I don't know if you've been around church very much at all. Maybe this, not, this may be a new experience for you. But I'm 
certain you've probably heard a little bit about the story of David and Goliath. And David was this young guy who ended up being the king of Israel, one of the greatest kings of Israel. And, and he was anointed by this prophet named Samuel. And there was a king before David, and his name was Saul. And Saul had made some bad choices. And so it was time for a new king. And so God sends the prophet Samuel to this guy named Jesse's house. And Jesse had all these sons. And Samuel shows up with the idea that he's going to anoint the next king of Israel from the house of Jesse. And he gets there and he looks at all of these sons. The only problem is, is every son that he looks at, God tells him to pass. That's not the next king of Israel. I mean, he was convinced that it was the oldest because this dude was like huge and he looked good and he just had all of the intangible things, those, those physical things that you would associate with a king. I mean, you've seen people like that. You, you walk by them in the mall or, or, or you walk into a gym and you see this athlete and you think, I am not like him or her at all, right? None at all. And, and, and we just recognize these people and we automatically assume that they're just super gifted and super talented. And, and this is that verse of scripture that we get where God speaks to Samuel and says, hey, man looks on the outward appearance, but I'm looking for something more than just what's on the outside. I'm looking for something on the inside. I'm looking somebody's heart. And so he looks at all these sons and he finally looks at Jesse and he says, I don't know what to tell you, but there's got to be somebody else because this isn't it. And Jesse says, yeah, I got one more son. His name is David. He's out in the field tending some sheep. How about we go get him? And sure enough, Samuel takes one look at David, and God says, this is the man. And we find this verse of scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. And I want you to see this in the high-def theater of your mind, because I love this part of scripture. It says, so David stood there among his brothers, and Samuel, this prophet, took the flask of olive oil, and he brought it, and he anointed David with the oil. Now, I love this next verse of scripture. It's a powerful verse. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now, I love David, and there's a lot of different snapshots of David's life. I mean, we see David killing Goliath. That's a pretty good snapshot, right? It's a pretty big deal. We see David as this warrior who's leading his army into battle. That's a pretty good snapshot of David. We see David as one of the most powerful kings of Israel's history. That's a pretty good snapshot. But there's something about this snapshot that's my favorite. It trumps all those others. And here's why. Because this is David before the bravery medals of honor. This is David before he had had a chance to enter into battle. This is David before any rec anybody recognized how great he truly was. He was just this young guy. And all of a sudden, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the prophet Samuel saw something in this guy that nobody else had the ability to even see. I mean, David had these big dreams, but nobody else saw it. And there's some of you, and there's some of you players here today, you got big dreams. And maybe it has to do with basketball. Maybe it has nothing to do with basketball. This day is so much bigger than just a game of basketball. But you got hopes, and you got dreams. Man, when I was your age, some of you, I, I had hopes and dreams. Let me tell you what those were. I dreamed that one day I would be a marching band director. I know that's not cool, right? But that was my dream. I'd seen the movie Drumline, and I thought, yes, that is going to be me. That's how I want to spend my life, because that's how you get girls. Marching band director, right? And that was my hope and dream. Right? You have, why are you laughing? You, you got hopes, and you've got, you've got dreams inside of you. And, and for some of you, you might would say, 
I've got these hopes and dreams and nobody even recognizes that I have them. But, but the prophet Samuel saw something in David that nobody else was willing to see. And here's what's really cool about the story. He became a mentor for one of the greatest kings of Israel. Now, we have a special guest who's with us today. I'm not going to stand here and just talk to you. That's why I got this extra stool today. We're going to invite you into a conversation. I've got a great friend um, who is a mentor and a coach to my son, and I've been super impressed by this guy. He has a wonderful story, and um, he, is, he has coached thousands of people, names that you would recognize, people who have done some incredible things, uh, but none of that really impresses me. What impresses me is that every time I walk into that gym, I see him with another player who has hopes and dreams, and he's willing to see something maybe nobody else sees and invest his life to help these young men and women become everything that God created them to be. I want you to give a big hand to my friend, Coach Mike Hollis. Would you do that right now? <laughs> Coach, I wanted you to feel real comfortable, so I got your monster, right? So you're good right there. There you go. Hey, um, Coach, thanks for joining us today, man. Welcome to North Park Church. Every week um, when, when coach has an opportunity to coach my son, what's funny is he will often like motion for me to come out on the court. And I know what's about to happen. Two things are about to happen in that moment. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a good teachable moment and a really good sermon illustration. And so some of you have heard my good sermon illustrations from Coach Hollis, but here he is in the flesh. But before we start, I have one question. I want to know why you describe me as a golden retriever puppy. Well, one because I'm because I'm brutally honest, and and that's pretty much pretty much who you are. I mean, you look like you're chasing a ball all the all the time. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I got tired listening to your introduction. There was so much energy in there. So, yeah, this is how this is gonna go. Yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, so I, I really want to just invite you into a conversation today. Um, we have a lot of great conversations, and it's pretty cool to listen um, to how you take God's Word and, and break it down for these players in such a way that it applies to whatever it is that they're going through, and it's almost as if you believe God's Word applies to every area of our life. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, it, it's, um, it's obvious to me after dealing with so much humanity, you know, we work with, I don't know, it's, it's 55, 60,000 players from kindergarten through the NBA and, and, and then all their families. And um, the most accurate portrayal that I have of humanity, uh, I find in this book. And um, the, most, the most accurate assessment of uh, marriage, I find in this book, of uh, fatherhood, I find in this book, it, it, it's, um, it would just make sense to me as a coach, um, if God is in fact creator, then it would make sense to, to be coached by the guy who started it all, and, and, and I'm, I'm thinking he's got an opinion since, since he created it. He's got an opinion about uh, what we do. Like, you're a father. Um, I'm a father. 
I have an opinion about everything my children do. I mean, like all the haircuts, all the socks, all the all the all the girls my son dated, all the guys. Like I got an opinion um, because I care and because I love. So, so yeah, of course. Um, of course, I think this this is where you start because, you know, in a given day, I may coach somebody from seven years old and finish up um, with a 32, 33, 34-year-old um, professional player. That's a wide spectrum. Um, and I think God has an opinion on 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 both bookends yeah of that of that journey so it just makes sense to um makes sense to me that well here's the thing all right so i know me and i'm not really impressed okay and i keep okay i can get it i can get it twisted and what i found is taking what god thinks and applying it um works mm-hmm. just works so what's crazy to me is so here's david he's anointed as the next king of israel and the bible says the anointing comes powerfully upon him right and and i think some of us just automatically assume that in that moment that david was just like thrust into greatness but the reality was he went back home and kept tending sheep and i think some of us i know i'm super guilty of this i want god to fulfill his promises in my life immediately and overnight but there's a process that happens for each of us. And whether we're a middle school student or we've been doing this for a long time like me, like we're in process. Right. Yeah, so in my world, um, well, let me back up. Look, everybody in this room, okay, I deal with basketball players. But the bottom line is that they're no different than you because they walk in the door as desiring beings. They are there for a reason, okay? And, and their approach, they want to know so that they can know how, so that they can do more. Okay, I've never worked with a player that their goal is to be bad at this game, to sit on a bench and wave a towel. Okay, players play. That is, that is what they do. They, they come in the building wanting that. Okay? And they want to do it better. And I think, I think that's so applicable to, to us as followers of Jesus. Right? Most players do not have an identity crisis. Players play. Truck drivers drive trucks. Doctors, doctor. Um, Husband's husband. Christians, what? Like, Jesus never called us Christians. He called us followers. Now, now I understand that, because followers follow. Right? And, and one of the things that God has shown me how to do with, with these players is... Um, I think most of us have a wallet-sized picture of ourselves because we have a wallet-sized picture of God, meaning God is creator. God has an opinion. He created us for, for, 
for his pleasure, right? And, and I dare say that most of you in this room, um, if I coached you like you talk to yourself, you would fire me. Right? Because most of us in this room are really, really, really difficult on ourselves. And we say things to ourselves that God himself doesn't say to us. Right? Like that's how we coach ourselves. Well, so uh, a few years ago, I actually read the New Testament. And um, God has challenged me with like, um, I didn't really know who he was. So I undertook this exercise. I circled everything that God called himself through his writers. And he, called, he made reference to himself, and he called himself something 3,379 times in the New Testament. And then I thought, wow. And, so you counted them all? Well, I wrote them all down. Not only did I count. And that's pretty cool because, like, um, for me, because I'm in a profession, like, math is not my strong suit. So I found a profession where all I got to do is count by ones, twos, and threes. And, and, yeah, I'm good to go every now and then, a little multiplication, a little division, but none of that trigonometry algebra stuff where I pull a brain muscle and think with a limp for the rest of the day. <laughs> okay. So, so I wrote all of those down. And then I wondered, okay, so, so God calls himself something, but that's a, that's a position, right? That's a role. That's a title. And it dawned on me that all roles, positions, and titles have a process, meaning, meaning they have a set of actions, yeah. right? Because players play, right? Um, player, players don't sit up in the stands. Like, there's a reason why there's a word for player and a word for fans, right? right? And so I circled and wrote down everything that God said he does, and that's 2,975 things God says he does. So it dawned on me, okay, we serve a busy God. And then God said, okay. I started looking in there. He says, now, what does that mean? Well, I wondered what he called us. And in the New Testament, he makes reference to 1,159 different things he calls us. And it's more than a sinner saved by grace. He calls us sons and daughters. He, he calls us warriors and he calls us priests. He calls us the chosen. He calls us family. He calls us friends of God. Like all of these names that he calls us. And I thought, well, okay, those are titles, roles, and positions. So what are the actions? And he said, there's 2,227 things we can do because of who he is. Wow, that's good. And I looked at that and like any true really good legalist, I'm like, well, I can't do all 2,227 things. Yeah. And then um, God said, look, uh, I've made you a better coach than that. Have you ever asked a player to do everything in the game of basketball? Would you ask a player to do that? Well, well no, okay? These players, they realize every, every time they're on a team, they play a different role. They play a role, and, and, and the role has certain actions that they take. When the season's over, they come back home, they squirrel themselves away in a gym, and they try to get better so that they can have a bigger role. Yeah. And, and God challenged me with, 
Well, if you can get that figured out in the game of basketball, something as insignificant as that, how much more do I have that figured out? Because he challenged me. He's like, look, I've given you 2,229 really cool things to do. Pick one. Just pick one and do it. Yeah. Right? And it's, and it's interesting that all 2,229 of them have something to do with love and obedience. And so, so as I work with these players, um, I'm realizing that they're wanting to do something. And my job is to help them get a bigger perspective of what the truth is. Okay, both of God and of themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and then we roll from there. So I, I don't know if I answered your question, but I was going to get that out. So, What was your question, by the way? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Carry on, Paul. One, one of the things that, that you've taught me the most, and, and I can take you back to the practice set that, that you said it, but you asked Micah the question, why did God create you? And in the back of my mind, I'm a pastor, so I know the answer to that question. And in the back of my mind, I didn't say it out loud because I was scared of you. And I, I still am a little bit, but I, I, I just, in the back of my mind, I said, he created us for his glory and, 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 and to worship him, right? And when you said that, you even added to that, and don't say we exist for his glory. And so I thought, well, Crap, I'm wrong, okay? So I didn't say it, but I'm waiting for this answer. But here's what you said. He created us for his pleasure, for his pleasure. We are his sons and we are his daughters, and he created us for his pleasure. And so I love when you talk about that because it's so true. I don't think we recognize how much we are truly loved by God. David was described as a man after God's own heart. It wasn't because he was perfect. It wasn't his perfection it was because he, he, he was what? Why was he described as a man after God's own heart? Yeah, it, it, um, so it took me years to figure out that there is a God and I'm not him. Because um, God's probably taller. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, as I... As I've tried to follow Jesus, and, you know, David's, David's somebody that all of us Christians kind of get to know. But if, if, if you look at the way he lived, right, like, um, he got it wrong a bunch. Yeah. Right? But the thing he, I think the thing he got figured out um, was this thing called humility. And that is just dealing with the truth, right? Like knowing exactly, okay, who God is and who you are. And and I think that's what helped him with um, every time you see him, he'll mess it up and then he'll run to God. And I think like a good father, because in that conversation we were talking about um, why does a good father give good gifts, right? And God is a good father. Well, okay, I'm a, uh, I'm a father, and I give good gifts for my child's pleasure and for mine. 
right? And, and for their enjoyment and for my enjoyment. And then also as a place of relationship, I never gave my son a bike and said, go ride around the neighborhood and sing my praises. Oh, my dad is such a great dad, look at my bike. Okay, that wasn't a purpose. Now, it might have been the byproduct of what happened, right? But the gift was for his enjoyment and, and for mine, because I can. And I think, I, I think in there, the humility of just recognizing that, that God is a good God. He is not out to ruin anybody's party, okay? In fact, he's the author of the party, and he's trying to make it a better party, okay? We're the ones that, that, that get it conflicted and say, no, don't want to come to your party. I'm throwing my own party. Hmm. And it's such a weak party. Okay, I mean, it's, it's founded on selfishness and self-centeredness and, and, and all, of these, all, of the, all of these little things where, where I'm at the center of it, when in reality, there's this bigger party where, where Jesus is at the center of it and where he is, there is love. And now we actually really understand we can know how to love each other. We can know how to, to walk humbly before God in an attitude of love. And, and it, it, you know, life is just a little bit better with Jesus. Mm. Okay, and by little, that's, that's called irony. Yeah. Okay. It, it's, I can't picture, I cannot picture what life would be how how shallow it would seem apart from God. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for you, Coach. Well, you need to get out more. <laughs> I sent Coach a pretty encouraging text one day. Wish I had it to read to you. It's pretty lengthy. And I told him that I was thankful for the way he had invested in players and athletes and my son included and it was nothing short of a pretty amazing thing how he could turn a, a, a basketball gun which is equipment that we use in a court into a pulpit and I said thanks for your investment Pastor Hollis his response back was a Star Wars emoji that said yeah let's go with that <laughs> you don't know how to take a compliment but I'm thankful um, for the way that you lead with love. I've got a friend, um, Jim Fischetti, who wrote a book about vision. And he said, great leaders communicate often. And, and, and we communicate with clarity and we live with passion and then we hold people accountable. And you do that as well as anybody. And, and what's so, so cool is that, I'll be honest, probably one of the toughest coaches that I've ever seen in my life. But you do it with such love and care for these athletes um, that I watch them hang on to your every word. You're making more of an impact than you realize and I just want you to know that. Yeah, let me say something to that. Um, Look, we serve a really big God, okay? And he's a really good God. And he's really good at what he does, okay? And I get to do a really cool thing because I get to walk into a gym and help people pursue their dreams and goals. But do not get it twisted. I recognize where it comes from because apart from Jesus, okay, I'd be hanging out in Europe coaching without my faith, my family, and my integrity, okay? Like, like um, 
that that praise needs to go where it's deserved and and that praise needs to go um, to to a really good father who hunts his children down and and loves us into understanding a better way to live so would you mind praying for us as we close sure father we thank you for Father, we thank you for everything. We'd be here a while. Um, But you're good and you're kind. Um, It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's it's your goodness that helps us learn how to love. Um, Your faithfulness. And Father, we just thank you most of all for um, for your son Jesus and for his sacrifice on our behalf and we thank you that you sent your spirit to to bring us into this family of yours um, I pray that you pray that your spirit would use the, the muddled words we spoke today and just do that coaching that you do really well in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Coach, you think you could improve my basketball skills? I'm good, but I'm not God. <laughs> I figured that would be the response. Let's give Coach Hollis a big hand. Thank you so much, Coach. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Um, anybody want to play basketball today? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to get out of the way. But here's what I want you to do. I I want you to know um, that we're so thankful that you came today. Um, These guys are going to come in just a couple of minutes and and give you some more instructions. But as soon as service is over, if you're one of our athletes that are going to be playing, we're going to go downstairs to the main gym and we're going to have a quick powwow down there to give you some more instructions. Um, The concession stand is going to be open. We'd love for you to stay and have lunch with us and watch some basketball games. And despite Coach Hollis's belief in me, I'm actually going to play on a team today. So uh, we're going to have a great Great, great, great time. We're going to have our opportunity for you to worship in giving today. Um, our team is going to come in just a couple of moments, and we want to give you an opportunity to invest in the mission to build lifelong followers of Jesus. If you're our guest today, there's no pressure for you to give. This is our way to, to worship the Lord today and invest in the mission that He's given to us. But right now, let's pray as we uh, prepare.